This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina, the mountains. Chilly morning, April the 19th, 2023. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. And uh, I, I juggle my, my elation over the Red Sox victory last night with my annoyance um, at what happened yesterday afternoon when, uh, as you heard in the newscast prior to the show, where Fox News and uh, Dominion Voting Systems settled their case out of court for, what, $787 million, essentially half of what they asked for. They asked for $1.6 billion. And, I mean, I guess the good news is that Fox had to at least admit um, that some of the stuff that they broadcast about Dominion were false. But they, the part that, that pissed me off was that they did not have to issue any kind of an on-air apology. And Fox's and, – and last night, I mean, other than when they first – when it first came out and it was announced that – they had settled, you know, Fox at least had to to acknowledge that, and they talked about that. But then last night on Fox, nobody spoke about it. You know, the people that were the most responsible, people like Sean Hannity and that weasel, reprehensible, lion, uh, Tucker Carlson, the guy that has actually said in emails that he couldn't stand Donald Trump and knew that the stuff that they were spouting was crap, yet he will go on the air and and brown nose. It's just gross. Just gross. And they didn't have to talk about it at all last night. Um, and here's the problem. You know, look, even if Dominion had won this case, and they probably were going to, I mean, the judge had set it up basically uh, saying, hey, look, it was crystal clear that the stuff that you guys were reporting was false. And they kept narrowing the scope of the defense that Fox was going to be able to present. Fox knew they were going to lose this. That's why they settled. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And even if they had had to pay $1.6 million, it's a drop in the bucket to Rupert Murdoch. You know what I mean? I mean, what do they care? Um, but the fact that they didn't have to admit on air that they lied, that they purposely lied and tried to mislead the American public and mislead all the, the, the people that watch Fox News, the people that, that 
swallow their garbage hook, line, and sinker, that they didn't have to admit that they lied. So all these people that are so delusional that watch Fox News can just go on as if nothing ever happened. As if this this was just, eh, you know, just another uh, uh, lawsuit that was, uh, you know, presented with no merit. We just settled because we just didn't want to deal with it. And that's what they're going to say. And it's not going to stop Fox from continuing to do their crap. Although you'd like to think they'll think twice about it. I mean... You know, look, if you look at what's happened recently, look at, you know, this this case, $787 million. Look at what happened to, um, what was the guy's name in Connecticut uh, from uh, that was involved with Cindy? Uh, Alex Jones, the radio guy that was uh, spreading conspiracy theories about, you know, that it was a hoax. Right. They 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 he got they got a billion dollar settlement against that guy. And we have seen time and again that a lot of this stuff now, these conspiracy theories and these right wing nut jobs are being called to task. And it's 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 going to be more difficult. I think when you look at this, you know, maybe some of these people that are, you know, uh, doing these uh, podcasts and and uh, national radio shows, et cetera, et cetera, will think twice. You'd like to hope. However, we know how it works, and, you know, I'm sure that um, any hope that I have is, you know, in vain. Uh, Look, Fox isn't out of the woods. There's one more lawsuit. There's another uh, voting company that is suing them for $2.7 billion. Um. And you would think because of this, Fox is going to reach out to these people and try to settle this thing quickly. Because just the evidence that came out while this case was waiting for trial, and you look at that, and then uh, now most of it was directed at Dominion, but I am sure that this other company has similar things. You would think that Fox is going to try to settle this. But I'm just, uh, just, I wanted them... I wanted this to go to court. I wanted this to be national news so that some of these delusional people, and I know some of these delusional people that love Donald Trump and love the what the Republican Party has become and swallow this crap as if it's gospel. I wanted them to see on national television their beloved anchors and their beloved network be humiliated. That's what I wanted. Because I wanted the, the, the inordinate amount of power that Fox News has is ridiculous. You know, people want to talk about the liberal media, right? They want to say that, you know, CBS and NBC and ABC and CNN and MSNBC, they're all anti-Republican, all anti-Trump, yada, yada, yada. None of them, none of them have the singular amount of power that Fox News has to shape this country because Fox News is the only place that you can go to hear BS, where you can go and have somebody tell you that, you know, they're peeing on your boots, but that's they're not really peeing on your boots. It's a rainstorm, and you'll believe it. 
and these people believe it, and I wanted them humiliated. So I'm a little pissed off about that. So my my elation over the way the Red Sox game ended last night was a little tempered by that. And just ah ah, I should have known. It was too good to be true, too good to be true. Now some good news: Demar Hamlin um, has been cleared by the doctors uh, to resume his football career. You know, and say what you want about that, whether he should or whether he shouldn't. He's 25 years old. What happened to him was a fluke. The specialists all agreed the only reason this happened is he just got hit at the wrong place at the wrong time. He got hit at a at a specific point in his heartbeat that caused cardiac arrest. So it was basically between beats, and it and it stopped the electrical flow between the heart and the brain. And that was the, it was a fluke. And there's no reason why he can't resume his career. The chances of that happening are less than infinitesimal. Um, there was a hockey player, I can't remember who it was, but uh, that had a similar thing happen when he got hit by a puck in the chest. He resumed his career two days later and went on to play 13 more years after that. All right, so, uh, you know, I think DeMar Hamlin's going to be just fine. I just think it's great news. Um, and I think, you know, the best part about this for me is i got to be honest with you. I didn't know who DeMar Hamlin was. I mean, I knew the name, but I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he wa- who he was as a person. And then when you watch his conduct and the way things were after he uh, had the cardiac arrest on the field and the things that he has done off the field since then and – um, you know, how grateful he has been and um, all the other things that he has done, making appearances around the country and, um, you know, the fact that he then took what happened to him and used it to uh, advocate for uh, an increased access to defibrillators in public and private elementary schools and secondary schools. And, you know, he used what happened to him to try to help other people. And so, you know, I don't care if this kid ever makes a Pro Bowl. I don't care if this kid ever makes another tackle or an interception in his life. You know, he showed the kind of human being he was um, after this happened and and good for him. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I hope he he has a successful a career after this, but he's he's already a successful human being in my eyes. And I know I'm, it's always dangerous when we uh, when we pump people up too much because people always tend to disappoint us. But I think this kid is a legitimately good kid, and I and I think that uh, I don't think that his returning to the field, by the way, is going to stop him doing good things. Right, we saw what he did for uh, what he was doing quietly for his city of Pittsburgh prior to his, you know, uh, what happened to him, and all the money that was raised for kids uh, because of the GoFundmes and stuff that that you know went crazy after his injury. So we already knew that he he was a good kid, and I think that it's just going to continue. And and so I hope that uh, uh, that he has a great career. So that's good. Uh, before we get to baseball, let's uh, we'll run through some of the. Uh, the playoff things last night, of course, the NBA and the NHL uh, have started their playoffs, which, you know, none of this stuff's going to end till June. It's like the playoffs go on for like three months. 
Um, well, maybe more like two months, two and a half months. But the NBA last night, the Celtics take a 2 nothing series lead over the Hawks. They beat the Hawks 119-106. to And um, look, the series shifts now to Atlanta. I don't expect this to be any different down in Atlanta. And the story of this series so far for the Celtics you know, say all you want about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and all these other, you know, the guy that has been the star for the Celtics so far in this series is Devin White. Uh, yesterday's game, 26 points, seven rebounds, three block shots. Uh, in the two games in this series so far, he's shooting 18 for 29 from the floor. Uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, a guy that has really kind of come into his own. And, uh, and Jason Tatum was really good last night. Jason Tatum, 29 points, 10 rebounds, uh, 6 assists. That's kind of like his standard game these days, right? Celtics shot 56%, uh, 46% from three-point range, and they played really good defense. You know, Atlanta tried to shoot their way into this game. They took 48 threes in the game. They didn't, uh, that's seven more than they attempted in any regular season game all year. So, Trying something different, see if they can shoot their way in. Fortunately for the Celtics, they only shot 33% from three-point range. So Boston takes a 2-0 lead uh, as they head down to Atlanta for game three and four. Look, this is over. I'll be surprised if this isn't a sweep. Um, And, you know, and, and you hate to think about, you know, the Celtics' biggest competition, obviously, in the Eastern Conference is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. And now the Bucks know that Giannis had to lead the first game. Bucks lost the game. Giannis, Giannis's availability for Game Two is up in the air. Even if he does play, it'll probably be for limited minutes. You know, if something happens and the Bucks don't win that series, and and you don't and you don't want it to be because of what happened, you know, with Giannis hurting his back. But the Celtics would love to win this in four and then sit back watch the other teams that they've got to play in this Eastern Conference beat each other up in a seven-game series and, you know, wear themselves out a little bit while the Celtics are able to uh, to get some rest. You know that's exactly what they want. Uh, other games last night in the Eastern Conference, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers beat the New York Knicks last night, 107-90. Uh, Darius Garland, 32 points in this one. He scored uh, uh, 26 of them in the first half to kind of open this game up. And uh, the Cavaliers led this game at the half uh, by 20. And they just, you know, basically cruised to a victory after that, winning it uh, by 17. But it wasn't that close. It really wasn't. Um, So now they will uh, uh, head to game three. Uh, It will go back to New York for game three. Um, And the Knicks are going to be hosting their first playoff game I think since 2000, right, they didn't make the playoffs last year. So it would be their first uh, home playoff game uh, in two years. So, uh, the, But that one is even at one apiece. And then Devin Booker last night, 38 points. And the uh, Phoenix Suns beat the Clippers last night, 123-109. to They evened that series up uh, at a game apiece. The series moves to Los Angeles for game three. That will be on Thursday night. 
but Booker was the story. I mean, it's pretty good when uh, Kevin Durant becomes an also rank. Kevin Durant had 25 in the game, but uh, uh, Booker was the story in that one last night. So that's where we are as far as the uh, NBA playoffs are concerned. Uh, in the NHL, uh, last night the uh, New York Rangers beat the Devils last night 5-1. to one. The uh, Chris Kreider with a couple of power play goals. Uh, Igor Sesterkin was 27 saves in that one. Uh, the Seattle Kraken win their playoff game against the Colorado Avalanche. It was their uh, first postseason game. Second year for the franchise, first time in the postseason. Uh, they win that one. Alex Weinberg with a goal and assist. Uh, Philip Grubauer, 34 saves. So uh, the Kraken with the win last night. Uh, the Lightning just destroyed the Maple Leafs last night. I mean, 7-3, to three, just an absolute ass-kicking. Uh, Braden Point with a couple of goals in that one. Uh, but this uh, that one was over uh, in the first period. The Lightning led 3 nothing at the end of one. Uh, and the Winnipeg Jets win easily last night 5-1 to one against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in the opener of that series. But the story in this one, Morgan Barron took a skate to the face and had to get 75 stitches. And and by the way, anybody who ever wants to question how tough a hockey player is, he went to the locker room in the first period after getting cut with, a, I think it was the goalie skate that got him, goes to the locker room. They sew him up with 75 stitches. He comes back out and plays in the second period. That is unbelievable. <laughs> 75 stitches. I'd have been curled up in the fetal position crying for my mommy. That is unbelievable. Just, oh, just, it doesn't get, it doesn't get any tougher than that. Uh, and the Jets uh, beat the Vegas Golden Knights easily 5-1. to one. But what a, what a, Jesus, talk about onions. Um, before we get to last night's baseball action, MLB announced yesterday they are going to try out some more rule changes in the Atlantic League. Uh, the Atlantic League is an independent league. All the teams in that league, none of them are have affiliations with major league teams. But they have used that as kind of their Petri dish to try out different rules. And they're going to try out some new ones. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that I think they're all stupid. Look, what they what Major League Baseball has done this year with their changes to the game, you cannot deny they have been successful. Right? Uh, time of game is down a half an hour. Run scoring is up by about a run and a half a game batting averages are up 20 points so you know there is more action in the game this year than there has been for a long long time so these it's working one thing by the way you know it's working and you know the averages are up but have you noticed how many one nothing games there's been early in the season we had two of them two more of them yesterday but you know that aside but let me tell you what the the new rules that they're they're talking about and this one is the dumbest. 
This is called, they're calling it the double hook designated hitter rule. What does that mean? It means you start the game with the DH, as everybody does now, right? Everybody in the American League and National League, it's, we have the universal DH. Well, they want to experiment with a rule that says if your starting pitcher doesn't go at least five innings, you lose the DH. So then your pitcher has to hit. Or you go back to the old National League ways, and every time the pitcher spot comes up late in the game, you're going to a pinch hitter. They did that in the Atlantic League last year. Look, this is just idiotic. Look, I'm all for pitchers pitching deeper into games. The fact that you know we think now that pitching five innings is a quality start is ludicrous to me. I like seeing guys, they need to pitch six, seven innings, starting pitchers. That's what they should be doing. Stop this nibbling and throwing 110 pitches in four or five innings. You know, maybe we could see that a little bit more. Throw strikes. Geez, what a novel concept that is. But there are just days when a pitcher doesn't have it. Right? We've seen that. We've seen it with Chris Sale. Hell, we've seen it with just about every starting pitcher the Red Sox have this year. There are just days that guys are going to get their brains beat in. It happens. You know, there are going to be days when teams are going to score a whole bunch of runs in the first inning. We saw it yesterday. I think somebody put up a seven spot in the first inning. Those things are going to happen. A team should not have to lose a position, a designated hitter in the lineup because a pitcher just comes out of the bullpen one day and doesn't have it. I'm sorry. You just shouldn't. It's just stupid. Because now not only are you in a 7-0 hole, if I have to lift my pitcher, now I'm only I've only got eight hitters. Or I've got to run through every player on my bench and it, you know, there's no chance I'm coming back. It's basically giving the game away. I don't like that rule at all. <laughs> That's just dumb. The next one is now they're, they're this year now they've changed the rules so pitchers can only disengage twice, which means throw over to a base to try to pick off a runner twice or step off the rubber to get new signs or reset the pitch clock. You can only do it twice right this year with the new rules. I didn't like that to begin with. Well, now they're going to change it to you can only have one disengagement. I mean, that means you, can, you can't hold anybody close to a base ever. I already don't like the rule with, with two. One, why don't we just automatically say a single becomes a double because everybody's going to steal second base because you can't hold anybody on. It's just, that's just dumb. You know, so you look at those things, you're going, what are we doing? You, we're, you know, we're running the risk of turning baseball into a mockery. There is one, you know, basically what they've done this year, the shift rule and the pitch clock rule, we've basically turned back the clock on Major League Baseball 20, 25, 30 years, which is a good thing because it's back when the, when the game moved along. That's a good thing. The things they're talking about doing now – threatened to turn a baseball game into a circus. So I don't, I, I just, I, God, I hope to hell that, you know, you want to do the experiment, go ahead. But Jesus, God, please don't make this into Major League Baseball. 
it would be silly. Now, there is one other rule that they're thinking about trying, and I'm semi-okay with this one. Uh, and it's called, it, it, basically, it's a designated pinch runner that allows a player who's not in the starting lineup to be used at any point of the game as a designated, as a substitute base runner. The player who was subbed out as well as the pinch runner would still be able to return to the game. Now, my only caveat to this should be, it should be for a designated player. Not, not like, well, I can you know use this designated runner for anybody. <coughs> I think it would be a great idea. And this, this, is, this is used in college uh, to a degree where teams are allowed to do it. I think they may do it in high school, too. I'm not positive about this. But I know they do it in college uh, where you can run for your catcher. Why, why is that a good idea? And this isn't anything against catchers. Dave Massey, I know you listen to the show. This isn't anything against catchers. Catchers are not necessarily the most fleet of foot, but it's not because of that. I think it's great because, look, catchers are already getting the crap beat out of them during the game, with the up and down, the squatting, and not only that. But now, you know, as soon as they have their bat, if they get on base, they can go back to the dugout, they can sit down, they can get a breather, they can put their equipment on, and it actually helps move the game along a little bit better. So I'm semi-okay with that one. But the other two, oh, please, please, I'm begging you, stop the tinkering. You've done a good job now. We don't. Why don't we give this, you know, a few years to breathe before we thinking about introducing anything new, uh, any new rules to Major League Baseball? You know, let's. I think what you're doing is working. You know, don't overdo it. You know, with anything. You know, just like with the candy or cheesecake or whatever. Too much of a good thing is never a good thing. 31 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at last night's games. You're listening to the Wake Up Call. On Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. Um, I don't want to overdo it, but watching the Chris Sale start for the Boston Red Sox last night um, was <laughs> relieving. Spectacular. I mean, I don't want to go crazy. I mean, you know, it's not like he pitched a uh, a no hitter or anything like that. But we saw the Chris Sale last night that we hadn't seen since the 2019 season. Right? Uh, he struck out 11 guys last night. He struck out the first seven outs he recorded were all strikeouts. He goes six innings, allows three hits and a run. That was on a sacrifice fly. Struck out 11, walked two through 94 pitches in six innings, 63 of them for strikes. This was the guy that we thought we were getting when we signed him to that long-term extension. Now, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but the 11 strikeouts that Chris Sale had last night were the most he has had in a game since he struck out 12 against Cleveland in August of 2019. That was also the last day that he pitched that season because he ended up having Tommy John surgery at the end of the season. Uh, there was no sign that that's going to be an issue with Chris Sale. The, the, he's already had the surgery. He seems to be healthy. It's, it's you know, look, for him, 
early in the season, it has obviously been about location. The fact that he hasn't been able to get his slider in there. Uh, his fastball has been like batting practice. I saw this stat this morning in the Boston Globe, and it was alarming. Coming into the game last night, when Chris Sale threw a fastball, opponents were hitting 600 against his fastball. 600! Last night, not so much. They couldn't catch up to his ball last night. Uh, he got 19 swings on the fastball, and nine of them were swings and misses. And he was punching guys out with the fastball. That was only, it was 95, 96 miles an hour. But the difference was, is he stopped throwing his sinker, and he relied more on the slider. The slider was uh, much, much better. Threw in the occasional changeup and kept guys off balance. He was more of a pitcher last night rather than a thrower, and it was the Chris Sale that we are used to seeing. Having said that, he leaves the game after six, and the Red Sox are losing two to one. And it looked like the Red Sox were going to waste an opportunity and a great performance by Chris Sale, and they were going to lose this game. Um, it really did. I mean, you know, they constantly had guys on base last night, and they couldn't get a hit. I mean, time after time, they stranded a small village on base last night, I think. Um, I don't know what the exact number is, but uh, 11. They left 11 guys on base last night. And they got a break last night. They were very, very fortunate. They tie the game up in the eighth inning. Uh, Kike Hernandez singles to lead off the inning. Then after a strikeout, they bring in Reese McGuire. Um, and to pinch hit for Connor Wong, right? He ends up getting on on a fielder's choice and a fielding error. Kike goes all the way to third. And then uh, Jaron Duran comes up. Hits a ground ball. Kike scores. They tie the game up. It's 2-2. We go to the ninth. Neither team can score. Uh, and the Red Sox end up uh, winning it in 10. And this was after an, a horrific top of the 10th. Horrific. They bring uh, John Schreiber in, and he can't throw a strike. He ends up giving up two runs in the inning without issuing a, a hit. I mean, it was just brutal. It was to the point, I mean, he was getting booed like crazy. You know, he hits he hits Donovan Solano. Then he walks Carlos Correa. Guy scores on a sacrifice fly, so now it's uh it's a one-run lead for Minnesota. And then they get another run on a ground out. 
But Schreiber just kept throwing ball after ball after ball. He threw 24 pitches in the 10th inning. Only 10 of them were strikes. And the fact that he only gave up two runs was a minor miracle. And then the bottom of the 10th was like, talk about a nightmare if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, right? Uh, so they start with the Manfred man, the uh, the ghost runner, whatever the hell you want to call him on second base, obviously for extra innings. And uh, it was the pitcher's spot because they had actually lost the designated hitter because they had to move the DH into the field. So uh, the, the pinch runner was Cutter Crawford. They bring a pitcher out to pinch run for the pitcher, Schreiber, uh, because it was his turn in the, uh, the, the last position up when they moved him into the field, so it would have been him that was on the base. So they bring Cutter Crawford in, right? Kike uh, Hernandez is up and strikes out and looks like crap, swinging at a ball that wasn't anywhere near the strike zone. But the pitch hits the ground, bounces away from uh, the catcher, Christian Vasquez, can't get to it. He's safe at first base. Crawford smart, smartly goes from second to third. So now there's runners on the corner. Nobody out. Tristan Costas is up. Tristan Costas has had a nightmare of a night. He had struck out four times. Comes up and works a walk. Bases are loaded. Nobody out. And you're thinking, great. Here we go. So Reese McGuire comes up. Base hit. Run scores. Another run scores. We're tied. Then Jaron Duran, who, boy, what a revelation he's been since coming back up. He doesn't look like the same guy. I don't know if he can sustain it, but he looks pretty good. He gets a base hit. Tristan Casas goes to third. McGuire's the second. Bases are loaded again. And you're thinking, okay, great. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Got this, right? Rob Refsnyder comes up, hits into a double play. Tristan Casas is trying to score from third. He, he gets caught right there because the ball is picked up. They tag him out. They throw to first. They get the double play. So now it's two outs, and it's up to Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo hits a ball down the right field line that clearly looks foul. Dave O'Brien's making the call, and he already has it as a foul ball. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, wait a minute. That's fair. And the run scores. The game is over. But, of course, Minnesota's going to challenge. When they show the replay, the ball somehow scraped the right field pad near the pesky pole and was a fair ball. Had no business being fair. Alex Verdugo, like, didn't even run out of the box when he first hit it because he thought it was foul. Then he starts to run and says, nah, wait a minute, it's going to be foul. And he stops. (laughs) And next thing you know, uh, it falls in and the Red Sox win. Crazy, crazy game. And the Red Sox are back at 500. They have won four or five. And here we go again. Everything looks rosy, right? <laughs> you know, uh, and now what happens today? You know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, this, it looks like this is the kind of season it's going to be for the Red Sox. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. And when you looked at that schedule for the Red Sox, they showed it on Nesson last night. Look, this is a stretch of games for Boston where they've got their hands full because they're playing all teams that are over 500. That Minnesota Twins team came in 10-6 and six last night. They've got the Twins, then Milwaukee, who are hot as a pistol, Baltimore, who's playing really well. 
The Guardians, uh, up until last night, have been playing incredibly well. Then Toronto, then Philly. I mean, it's just there's no rest for the Red Sox for about the next three weeks. You know, I mean, I really, when you look at it, the next break they get might be the Cincinnati Reds on May 30th because even after that stretch I just mentioned, then they have Atlanta, St. Louis, Seattle, San Diego. I mean, holy cow. So they're going to need Chris Sale to beat Chris Sale. Now they're going to go with a six-man rotation for the next, at least the next week. Uh, you know, Tanner Houck is going to be in the rotation uh, for now, but with Bayo back, we don't know how long that's going to last. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. The biggest revelation for this Red Sox team this year, though, no doubt, has been Alex Verdugo. And Alex Cora talked about it yesterday, that they thought Verdugo was trying to hit for power too much last year, and it really hurt him. Uh, and uh, so far, Alex Verdugo, after the three hits he had last night, is hitting three forty-eight, uh, an eight eighty OPS. I mean, he has just been unbelievable. You know whether it's sustainable or not. I mean, I don't know, but boy, what a what a performance last night by him! What a performance so far to start this season, and what a game last night! Just absolutely nuts. A game that the Red Sox went uh, f- what something gross. I can't four for twenty with runners in scoring position. That I mean, the fact that they had that many at bats with runners in scoring position tell you how uh, how many chances they squandered last night. I mean, they only got one run in the first inning when they had runners on second and third with one out. I mean, just you know, and they had already scored a run, and you thought this could be a big inning, and and you, that's when you knew that that this was going to be a struggle last night. Uh, the Yankees win. Uh, no, they don't. The Yankees lose last night because Shohei Otani with a two-run home run. Uh, they beat the Yankees five to two last night. Uh, he hit a blast off of Clark Schmidt. Schmidt's been terrible for the Yankees to start the year. Uh, people making a big deal out of the fact that uh, he homered uh, on the 100th anniversary of the original Yankee Stadium. And it was also the 100th anniversary when Babe Ruth did the same thing in the original Yankee Stadium. He actually hit a home run that day uh, when the Yankees beat the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, obviously the the correlations that people are going to draw his entire career between Otani and uh, Babe Ruth are never going to go away. Uh, but the uh, Angels win that one over the Yankees. Uh, the Rays bounce back after getting uh, whacked around by the Reds the night before. They bounce back last night, and they beat the Reds 10-0. Taylor Walls, a couple of home runs. Taj Bradley making his second career start uh, was really, really good. Uh, struck out nine. Walk one and five and a third innings. And uh, the Rays win that one easily. And I talked about, you know, they talked about how the runs are up this year. Well, one of the one nothing games last night, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Dean Kremer was unbelievable for the Orioles last night. Uh, pitches into the seventh inning, goes six and two-thirds, gives up just four hits, strikes out six, doesn't walk a batter. Uh, and then three relievers finish it up. Bautista picks up his fifth save of the season. And uh, they beat the Washington Nationals 1-0. Josiah Gray uh, falls to 0-4 on the season. If you're Josiah Gray, you want to go into that locker room and punch every one of the guys that's that's hitting. Why? His last three starts, listen to this. He loses last night 1-0 to the Orioles. 
right? His previous starts, they lost to Colorado 1-0 and the Angels 2-0. So his last three starts, he's given up a grand total of uh, four runs and he's 0-3 because his teammates have gotten him nothing. Nothing. Absolutely uh, brutal. Uh, with the win, the uh, Orioles now 10-7, and seven, sitting in third place in a, uh, with a tie with the Yankees in the American League East. Tampa now 15-3. and three. Red Sox still sitting in last place with that 500 record, but they're only six back. And, you know, I saw a thing on Twitter yesterday, and if you're a Red Sox fan, and, and I guess this is true with the way this roster is constructed this year, I guess all anybody can ask if you're an Oriole fan or if you're a Red Sox fan. Uh, and in some cases, maybe if you're a Cleveland Guardians fan or a Angels fan or something, just do me a favor and keep it close enough so that you're in contention for one of the wild card spots at the end of the summer. Give me something to hang my hat on and to hope for that will at least make the postseason. And I think that's where you know we're probably going to be at with this Red Sox team all summer. 48 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 51 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few minutes left this morning uh, before I head out. Do a little bit more landscaping because why not? Um, The uh, New York Mets lose to the Dodgers last night. Notable in this game, Clayton Kershaw picks up his 200th career victory. Look, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, when his career is over. There's no question about that. He struck out nine last night, uh, and he uh, passed Mickey Lolich for 22nd on the career list with uh, 2,833 strikeouts. Uh, Look, he's 200 wins and 88 losses in his uh, 405 games over 16 seasons. That is the best winning percentage of the 117 pitchers who have won at least 200 games in their career all time. Think about that for a moment. I mean, I think that, look, we all know how good Clayton Kershaw has been. Uh, The injuries over the last couple of years that have slowed him down a little bit, maybe, you know, make you stop and, uh, or maybe we forget a little bit about how great this guy is. Highest winning percentage of the 117 pitchers to have won at least 200 games. That's pretty impressive. And only one of those has a lower career ERA than Clayton Kershaw. Who is that, you ask? How about Hall of Famer Walter Johnson, perhaps one of the greatest pitchers in the history of pitching? That's how good Clayton Kershaw has been in his career. And if you are the New York Mets, as far as you're concerned, Clayton Kershaw is the greatest pitcher ever because Kershaw is now 11-0 and with a 2.03 ERA in 17 regular starts against the Mets. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, by the way, the, uh, the only uh, other Dodger pitchers to reach that win plateau with the Dodgers, Don Sutton and Don Drysdale. Pretty good, huh? Uh, Pretty good company. Uh, But uh, they win that game 5-0. So uh, the Mets get cooled off a little bit. The Dodgers trying to find their groove a little bit. They get back to the 500 mark. Uh, The Mets 
have still won 7 of 10 despite what happened last night. They are now 11 and 7. They are still chasing the Atlanta Braves uh, who are uh, 14 and 4 on the year, but a good performance by Clayton Kershaw, no question about that. Max Scherzer is going to get the start against the Dodgers today and uh interesting. Scherzer who used to pitch for the Dodgers amongst other teams is going to pitch against the Dodgers today. And Noah Syndergaard who was a longtime member of the New York Mets is going to get the start for the Dodgers against his former team. Um, the Phillies and the White Sox ended up playing a doubleheader yesterday because their games on Monday or the, were uh, rained out. So they play a doubleheader yesterday, and uh, they end up splitting that doubleheader. Uh, the White Sox win 3 uh, nothing in the second game to salvage the split. Lucas Giolito was great. Six no-hit innings in this one. He threw 102 pitches over six innings, so they had to get him out of there. Uh, but he struck out seven, and he walked one. Uh, Kendall Graveman pitched the seventh. Aaron Bummer came in, gave up a hit in the eighth, the only hit that Philly would have uh, in that uh, second game. And then Lopez comes on to finish out the save. Uh, but a uh, a 3 nothing victory for Chicago in game two. In game one, it was the Phillies beating the White Sox. 7-4, Zach Wheeler got the win for the Phillies. And uh, Lance Lynn, uh, his worst outing of the season, uh, he had, and which is saying something because he hasn't been very good at all. Uh, he goes just five and a third, gives up ten hits, five runs, walk three guys. Uh, he has been uh, uh, pretty bad. But he got off to a bad start last year and managed to bounce back, so I, I think he'll be just fine. But now the Phillies, uh, with that split, still under five hundred, seven. And 11, the defending National League champions. They're trailing, my God, they're trailing the uh, Miami Marlins, who sit in third place in the National League East. That's how bad of a start it's been for them. Uh, the surprising Chicago Cubs, off to a pretty good start, 10-6. and six. Uh, It doesn't hurt that you played the Oakland Athletics. They beat the Athletics last night. Uh, they score four runs in the eighth inning. They win it 4 nothing. But the Cubs now 10-6 and six to start the season. Pretty good. They've won seven of the last ten. Um, Marcus Stroman, another great start. Doesn't factor in the decision, uh, but he pitches six shutout innings, gives up just two hits. Uh, Mark Leiter got the uh, win out of the bullpen uh, as he pitched a scoreless seven inning, picked up his first win of the season. But the Athletics have now lost six straight. They now stand at 3-15 and 15 on the season. I mean, does it? can it get any worse than that? Uh, by the way, the attendance last night in Oakland, 5,196. They are drawing less than 10,000 people every game in Oakland. It is a foregone conclusion that this Oakland team is going to be headed to Las Vegas. At the, I'll be shocked if they can reach a deal to keep them in Oakland because the ownership has made it very, very clear uh, that uh, they want no part of Oakland. And uh, that stadium is a dump, and uh, nobody wants to go see the, the team that they are putting out on the field. Speaking of surprise teams, uh, the Texas Rangers continue to roll. They win last night 12-2 to uh, over the Kansas City Royals. The Rangers sitting in first place in the NL West with a surprising 11-6 and record. Um, it was Nate Evaldi got the start last night, goes six innings, gives up just two runs, uh, struck out five and walked one, and uh, he evens his record 
at two and two on the season, and uh, it's just going to be another brutal season for the Royals. They fall, fall to four and fourteen. Kansas City at home, one and eleven. Yikes! That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning a little music from Keith Urban. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.